If we can take our Bibles and open to Matthew chapter 7. That will be our uh, scripture reading today. Um, We'll begin in verse 1, Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge so that you will not be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who will give his son, who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him, will he, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good, thing, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. 
And when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Let's go to prayer. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning and this day and this opportunity to proclaim your word. Lord, I pray that you um, help me to, uh, to proclaim what you've laid on my heart and uh, that you will prepare the hearts to hear what, uh, what I have to say and what you have to say through me. Lord, I uh, just ask that you uh, just be with us through this service. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> So we had our Bible text, Matthew uh, 7, 1 through, 1 through uh, 29, and I thought it was important to read the whole thing. Um, the title uh, for today was, is a rich young ruler, a tax collector, and a woman at the well, a woman at a well. And we're going to talk about those. Over, went on vacation a few weeks ago, and uh, I was reading uh, a book uh, by John MacArthur called a... Uh, the Gospel According to Jesus, and uh, I, uh, I saw Pastor give it, to, give it to Rob, and I'm like, dang, I wanted one of those, that book. So I got it on my Kindle, and when I, when I had some time in the evenings, when, when Mary and Cora had gone to bed, I would sit out and read it, and I would, I would study it, and some other things I was, I was studying. And uh, he talked about how Jesus witnessed to people, and specifically um, how he talked to them. Suppose a, uh, um, there are many men, there are many people who claim to be Christians who no longer identify as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, there are many more who, uh, who uh, still claim to be Christians but are not acting like it. And both of these scenarios are very dangerous. You know, Jesus, we read that Jesus warned that many will, will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and didn't we cast out demons in your name and didn't we uh, perform many miracles in your name and then you will declare that I never knew you depart from me, you who work and practice lawlessness. And so I was debating on what to, what to title this. Um, true and false conversions came up. Um, but I, I just, we're going to talk about three individuals today. Um, so uh, even though these people profess to be Christians, and we all know people that profess to be Christians, and we don't see, see it in their life, um, Jesus didn't agree with their assessment. You know, Jesus preached on, on the subject of true and false conversion, conversion, uh, Relentlessly and repeatedly. Relentlessly and repeatedly. Um, he talked about uh, uh, wheat and tares in Matthew 13, 24, and 29. Good fish and bad fish. I like to call them pickerels, the bad fish. <laughs> I learned a lot about those fishing up in New York. Um, and they're bad fish. They're rotten fish. And there's a few less of them up there now. Um, And uh, I want to read a couple verses from uh, 
the Matthew 13, 24 through 29. Um, it says, Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while the, his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, the tares became evident. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Do you want us to then go and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. And notice this. It says, Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them up, but then gather the wheat into my barn. See, these tares, when they're growing up, and, 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 the, and the wheat hasn't come to its fruit, to its, to its, you know, it hasn't set its seed on, on, the, on the crown, it's hard to distinguish between the two. And... And it's much like people who, who fake being Christian. They know how to act. They know how to um, be like Christian. I, I grew up that way. I, I thought I got saved when I was 12 or 13 years old. And it wasn't until shortly after Megan was born. Um, we had been coming here for, uh, I was raised in the church my whole life. And we were coming here, been coming here for a few months. Mary was pregnant with Megan at the time. And one, one February morning, I was coming to church. It was in 1993. She was born in December of 92. And Megan was in the car seat, in the front seat of my, my Ford Escort. And we're coming out 204. We just got off the freeway. And almost 30 years ago, there was really not a whole lot there at the intersection of 256 and 204. And I'm driving, and all of a sudden, my car just conked out. It's temperatures below zero. And I'm like, do I leave her here and go get help? Do I take her out and walk somewhere to get help? I, was, I didn't know what to do. And next thing I know, I, you know I, had my, I was just sitting there just trying to figure out what to do. Someone knocks on my window. And it's, it's an elderly man. And he goes, uh, uh, the only reason I stopped is because I saw a kid in your car with you. And he says, where are you headed? I said, I'm heading out to a church on Tollgate Road. That's all I told him. And he says, uh, where, uh, he said, where are you coming from? I said, well, I live over uh, Hamilton and uh, Hamilton and Maine area. And, you know, he goes, well, why are you coming way out here to go to church? And I said, well, I, we've been going here for a few months. I like it. And he says, well, he said, I can tell you to my wife to our house, and you can call somebody from the church, and they can come pick you up. I said, I'd really appreciate that. Thanks. And he pulled his truck in front, and I'm out helping him hook this, the thing up. And I said, well, where are you headed? He said, well, I'm headed over to Whitehall to go to church. He said, you ought to go over there. And, uh, and I'm thinking, well, he lives in Pinkerton, and he's, he, lives, he told me he lived on Alt Road. That's where he was going to tow me to. And uh, he, he said, uh, so I'm thinking, well, you want me to, it, it doesn't make sense. You're going just as far as I'm going to church. So, um, so he hooked me up, and I saw the sign for Alt Road, so I started, you know, I got tightened the strap up with my brakes, and he just, he just, kept, just kept plowing. And we got to Tollgate Road, he turned right, and he turned right into this parking lot. There's a corner, church on the corner. He, I didn't tell him which church it was. I just said, I'm going to church out on Tollgate Road. And he turned right in here, pulled me into a parking spot. I got out, unhooked it. 
I had like 20 bucks in my wallet. I was going to give him 20 bucks. I threw his strap in the back. He stuck his arm out the window and he was gone. And I mean to tell you, I went several times up and down Alt Road looking for that truck and I never, never found it. That was, that was, that was a God thing. And I walked in here. <clears throat> I dropped Megan off at the nursery. And you, back then, the ladies were like, oh, we thought you weren't coming because she was newborn and and you know, the, you know, ladies love holding newborn babies. And uh, I, I gave them to, I, I can't remember who, who actually, there was like three women that were working in there. And I walked into the church office and the pastor came out and I just, I just started bawling. I just started bawling. And uh, we talked and, and we talked and, and I, just, I just confessed my sins. I, had, I knew how to live a Christian life around Christians but I also knew how to live a, a sinful life around sinners. And uh, that's how it was. And I, uh, I realized that. I, I, I confessed my sin. I repented of my sin. And I, and, and I truly accepted Christ as my Savior. And I, didn't mean, I wasn't, wasn't meaning to give, tell that today, but I did. Um, so uh, let's see where we're at here. Um, so we, we know that Jesus talked of wheat and tares, good fruit, rotten fish. Oh, yeah, I did that already. Uh, wise virgins and foolish virgins and sheep and goats. Um, and you can read all the passages are there. You can read all those. Um, but the passage I read this morning starts out with one of the most misused verses in the Bible by the, by the world and also by, by some Christians, Matthew 7, verse 1. And if you read it in its context, it does not prevent or prohibit all types of judging, all right? And uh, it does not prevent all types of judging. And it says in verse 16, that you shall know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? It goes on to say, so every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. What does that mean uh, about good tree cannot bear bad fruit? Um, I, had a, I have a guy that I know uh, I haven't talked to him for quite a while we went through the police academy together but um, some people make, tell exaggerations like uh, we saw in the Ray Comfort video last week he said man he says I would crawl five miles across glass to be able to talk to Penn Gillette again remember, I remember that in that video and this guy would crawl across the football field from end zone to end zone on glass to tell you a lie. He very seldom did, did he say anything that was, was truthful. He, whether it was an exaggeration, whether it was just a, you, you were there and saw what he's talking about and you, that's not how it happened. It just, that's just how he was. And he ultimately got fired because of that. But uh, that would be his fruit in his life is what you see him as. You understand what I'm saying? That's what, that's what we're talking about here. Is, so we need, we need at times to be, uh, to be fruit inspectors. You know, Sometimes we need to look and see if people are producing fruit and help them um, whether that... You know, the gospel is not just for salvation. We need to hear the gospel all the time. Um, I go over it a lot just to remember what I've been saved from and what I've been saved to, and it's, it's very important that we go over the gospel. Um, 
So we're going to talk about a guy. Well, let me give you a little more explanation. I threw these in. I got up this morning, and I, these hit my head. I remember this, these statistics. Um, it says a major U.S. denomination reported that in 1991, 11,500 churches obtained 294,784 decisions from Christ. Unfortunately, they could only find 14,337 in fellowship. This means they could not account for approximately 280,000 of their converts, quote-unquote. That's 95% people they could not account for. Okay? I'm not saying they weren't saved. I'm not saying, but they're not attending any of their churches that, 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 in the denominations they were saved. Here's another one that was in uh, another leading U.S. denomination reported that during 1995, they secured 384,000 57 decisions, but retained only 22,983 in fellowship. They could not account for 361,074 supposed conversions. That's a 94% fall away rate. Remember our passage we read? The road is wide, and many go that way. And the gate is narrow, that lead, and that leads to destruction, and the gate is narrow that leads to everlasting life, and the, the road is hard and narrow. That's, that's uh, what we need to think about as we're, as we're going out and sharing the gospel with, with people. Um, suppose a guy, let's see if I got it here. Uh-oh. There we go. So Jesus was very concerned about spiritual self-deception. All right? So uh, anyone ever have the person, I've had, once or twice, I've been talking to somebody, whether it's in the office or out on the street, talking to somebody, and someone is in the hover position and just kind of listening, wanting to see what you have to say. And then when you're done, they walk up to you, and uh, they'll ask you things about, about spiritual things, all right? And um, suppose a guy walked up to you and said, hey, you wouldn't happen to know how I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, would you? Wow. Talk about putting it up on a tee. You know what I'm saying? Come here. Let's have a seat. And, uh, and you can't wait to share the gospel with this person. You know, maybe he was already listening and heard some stuff. Uh, maybe you told this person, well, you just need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior. Explaining what Christ has done for him on the cross and risen again so we could have eternal life. After that, he says... I'd like to do that. Wow. So you lead him in a prayer, and he asks the Lord to be, he asks the Lord to be his Savior. A short time later, he gets baptized, and you start this discipleship with him. And he's excited when this happens. He's excited. He's on fire um, for this. But after a short while, um, he, he, he's, missing, he's missing some of the discipleship meetings you're having with him. And uh, he, he would call and say, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. Then he stops calling. And doesn't even give you the courtesy to say, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. And after a while, you find out that he has no interest in following Christ. He was a false convert. But Jesus never dealt that way. Jesus, when he dealt with people, because he knew their heart. He knew their heart. We're going to talk about um, the rich young ruler, if we can turn... Uh, to Mark 10, and we'll read that. 
if I can find Mark. So Mark 10, 17 through 23. And he was setting out on a journey, and a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternity, eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Up, Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, because he knew his heart. Go and sell your possession, all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who, had, who owned much property. Wow. Not, it's not, so his property, his wealth, was his God. Jesus said, you have to be willing to give up everything and follow me. I'll take care of you, but you've got to be willing to give up everything and follow me. And he knew his heart. He knew that he had wealth. And if you, you, you look at the questions he asked, he, he thought he could, do some, he, he could do something in and of himself. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? He, he was, what works can I do to get, to get to heaven? And Jesus, of course, knew his, knew his heart. Right? <clears throat> Not keeping up, folks. Um, let's see if I got this in here. So John MacArthur says in the Gospel according to Jesus, this man was a sincere seeker of eternal life and truth. Um, you know, Mark tells us about this rich young ruler who knelt at Jesus' feet in a position of humility before the Lord. In, his, in his, uh, his study Bible, he says this man possibly was a religious leader. And it didn't matter to him. You know, Nicodemus came to Christ at night under the cover of darkness. But this man, this rich young ruler, came in broad daylight. He had crowds around him, and he, and he fell at his feet on his knees. He acknowledged the undesirable situation he was in. He had, he had the head knowledge but he still was empty, and he still knew there was something else he needed. He had the integrity not to hide, as I said. He wanted eternal life so badly that he risked losing face with all those who looked to him as a spiritual giant already. The young ruler asked, what am I still lacking? But he didn't want to put Christ first in his life. Jesus felt love for him and compassion for him. Jesus loves sinners. But he's a holy and a righteous God, and he cannot allow sin into heaven. And you have to come. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
You can't get there, like Oprah says. There's many ways to get to heaven. You know, a Buddhist, you know, he'll end up in heaven. This guy, Jesus said, he's exclusive. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So that's pretty exclusive. That's pretty exclusive. Warren Wiersbe's quote, uh, of, all these, of all the people who ever came to the feet of Jesus, this man is the only one who went away worse than he came. And yet, he had so much in his favor. He was a young man with great potential. He was respected by others, for he held some ruling office, perhaps a local court. Certainly, he had manners and morals, and there was enough desire in his heart for spiritual things that he ran up to Jesus and bowed at his feet in every way. He was an ideal young man, and when Jesus beheld him, he loved him. But he walked away on his way to hell because he had great riches, and that was his God. That's what he worshipped. Now we're going to look at Zacchaeus. Was a little old man, a little old man was he. Is that how that goes? Yeah, uh, yeah Zacchaeus. Like Matthew, Zacchaeus was a, was a tax gatherer whose heart was divinely prepared. That's something else you can do a study on not to, not to stop. Jesus dealt with a lot of tax collectors. They, in, in Jewish society, a tax collector was, was considered scum of the earth. Um, because they, they worked for Gentiles, they worked for the Romans, and they collected taxes, and the Roman allowed them to collect more than what they were due to Rome, and they could keep whatever extra they, caught, they, they collected. So they were, you know, they were known as thieves and all these other things. So, so Zacchaeus was a tax gatherer whose heart was divinely prepared prior to... Jesus went there looking for Zacchaeus. He traveled there looking for Zacchaeus. And uh, he, was pre- he was divinely prepared to receive and follow Christ. His encounter with Jesus took place in Jericho as the Lord was passing through on his way to Jerusalem to die. It might appear that Zacchaeus, it might appear that Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus on his own initiative. But the truth is that if Jesus had not first sought him, he never would have come to the Savior. Sinners never seek God on their own. Um, Let's read uh, Luke 19, 1 through 10. And and see how how this comes out. So Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by, called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, 
he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see a difference there? We don't know every word, everything that Jesus and Zacchaeus talked about, but we know that his life was drastically impacted when he met Jesus. Okay? His life was dra- You know, it's like you're not going to step out on the highway in front of a Mack truck and your, and your life not be impacted. And that's, that's the same thing with Jesus Christ. When you have a, 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 an impact with Jesus Christ, your life will change. You will have a, 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 a change in your life. It will be, it, you will be different. We are a new creation. That's what uh, God's Word says. Uh, let's see, I got some. There we go. Romans 3.11 says, our, In our natural fallen state, we are dead in trespasses and sin. Uh, but Romans 3.11 says, There's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. So we, we have to be called. We're, we're called. We're, we're prompted. The seed's planted. You may talk to somebody. Someone may talk to a Christian, different Christians multiple times, and each time a seed is planted. And then the Holy Spirit works in their life, and, they, and, and then they may talk to someone, and they put it all together. Christ, the Holy Spirit is prompting him, convicting him of his sin, and he's letting him look at what's, what lies ahead and what could lie ahead for him, and the guy realizes he needs a Savior, and he, and he repents of his sins. Um, but as, as Romans 3.11 says, there's none who understand, there's none who seeks for God. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Ephesians 4.18 says, Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in, that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. John 6.44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And he, in verse 65 of the same chapter, says, And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Those are important things, important things to know and, and, and to keep in mind. Um, now we come to, we come to uh, the woman at the well. Um, that's John chapter 4. Uh, it's just after he, uh, chapter 3, he uh, dealt with uh, uh, Nicodemus who came to him at night and, and, and Christ presented, presented the gospel, told him he must be born again. And uh, we have the, 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 one, the wonderful verse that most everyone knows, John 3.16. Uh, You study Bibles, you've got to turn a lot of pages. 
<laughs> got all the notes on there. Uh, so John chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse uh, 5. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Then came, and there came a woman of Samaria to draw the water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples have gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get, this, get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of, this wa- of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. This woman said to him, Sir, give me the water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. Remember I said that Jesus knew their heart. He knew everything about them. And he was, he was on a mission. He went that way on purposely to talk to this woman. All right? So she says, uh, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. She says, I perceive that you're a prophet. I want to get some things straight. All right? So I'm going to ask you some questions here. Um, our fathers worshipped in this mountain and, your, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship Jesus said to her woman believe me an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the, where you worship the father you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews but an hour is coming and now is when the father when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for such people the father seeks to be his worshipers god is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth the woman said to her to him i know that messiah is coming he who is called christ when the one comes he will declare all things to us jesus said to her i who speak to you and he. In verse 27 says, at this point, his disciples came 
and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And what, these, what did these people in this townspeople do? They went out of the city and were coming to him. So I said, I mentioned earlier that Jesus was on a divinely appointed schedule. It was necessary that Jesus go through Samaria. Why? Because he would meet a woman there and lead her into saving faith. The kind of true faith that would affect the entire village. The woman was uniquely prepared by the Holy Spirit for this moment. There's no speculation about how much spiritual truth she had to acquire. She had acquired prior to this exchange. Her heart was ready to acknowledge her sin and embrace Christ. His message to her was meant to draw her to himself. Jesus had such an impact on the woman that she was eager to share the news among the townspeople whom she had previously avoided because of her reputation. Her witness and candor regarding her own life so impressed them that they came to see Jesus for themselves. That's the commentary from uh, the study, John MacArthur study Bible. So, so how did Jesus... How did Jesus eat? Jesus never told people that were sick. He never came up and said, oh, you're well. You're okay. He never did that. He taught them. It's like he did with the rich one. He knew what his problem was. And he, he brought it out. He went through, you know, you know, don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't murder. You know? Jesus said, of, is written of those of old that, that if thou... If you commit, that if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery already with her in your heart. If you if you if you hate your brother, you've committed you've committed murder in your heart, and that's what God judges. He judges our heart. He judges what's in our heart, and we have to keep that in mind. And we have to make sure when we are witnessing to people that we are we are telling them the whole counsel of God. We are telling them making them face up to their sin. And some people will walk away. I've talked to people who have gone out and witnessed to people, and they're like, they get discouraged because they're not seeing any fruit. I said, you never know. You may get one person that, in all the years that, you know, we get missionaries that have maybe led one or two people to Christ, and they're, they're discouraged. But we've had some where they've, that one person has led another person, and that person's led two or three other people to Christ. And, and, and when you get to heaven, you'll have, you'll have multitudes of people that will come up to this missionary and say, hey, you know, you led this guy to Christ, and he led these two people to Christ, and one of those guys witnessed to me, and then I talked to all these other people. You, you never know when you plant the seed where it's, going to, where it's going to take root and where it's going to grow. And... There are, uh, I saw this statistic, there's uh, 100, 
I can't remember. I can't remember. I, I saw it. I looked it up, and I didn't put it in here. But there's hundreds of thousands of people die every day and slip off into eternity. Okay, just like the guy out on the on the on the seashore, and he's he's kicking starfish back into the water. And he says, "What are you doing?" Someone says, "What are you doing?" Well, he says, "You you can't make a difference." And he kicks one in. He says, "I made a difference to that one," you know. It's, I mean, you, I get, every time I, at work, I'm at work, and, and sometimes they do it, they do it to ridicule me sometimes, um, but they'll come up and they'll ask me crazy questions about the Bible, and I've got, um, we, when uh, Phil Johnson was here with Ohio Fire, he brought a couple cases of, of uh, MacArthur Study Bibles paperbacks, and they gave to everybody that attended, and I've got one in my drawer. At, at work. And so I'll pull it out and I'll say, God says this about this. The Bible says this about Jesus said this about this. And they generally, you know, they shut that's what the that's what the gospel does. It shuts people's mouth. You know? So um, that's all I got folks. So let's close in prayer and Pete can come up and um, we just we just uh, have to have a burden for souls. And uh, we need to examine ourselves and make sure we're in the faith. And uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the important thing. And that's uh, the gist of why I, why I put this together. And um, they'll probably be polished off next time a little better. But that's what we got. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you once again for this day that you've given to us. We thank you for... Uh, the, the future that we that we have you have here for Brian we uh, thank you for um, calling Joe and his family to come to our church to, to lead us and to shepherd us we thank you for uh, the years Pastor Cunin was here and we just pray for him now as he's far eastern Ohio preaching at uh, two churches this morning we just pray that you will um, Give him safety. Give him, uh, he loves preaching your word, and we just pray for these churches that uh, they may be struggling, and we just pray that uh, they can find a pastor, that they may be able to grow to where they can support a pastor. We pray for those, for those, those few people that are in these churches that, uh, that you will uh, encourage them through what pastor brings to them and even convict them to what and how they need to live their lives. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these three uh, examples of, of, uh, of, of you witnessing to, to people and you pointing out because you knew their heart. We're just told to go and, and, and preach the gospel and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, help us to be obedient to you. Help us to continue to love you and desire to serve you. And Lord, help us to uh, look forward to what you have in store for Berean Baptist Church. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.